You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Our great God, our dear loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise and we thank you for this uh, beautiful morning. Thank you, Lord, for bringing your wonderful people here. Thank you, dear Father, because it is you who, who has drawn us in your presence. And thank you so much, Lord, for not giving up on your people, for not giving up on them. Lord, I ask in a very special way that may you anoint us with anointing power of the Holy Spirit. And as uh, we share about, I share about uh, your goodness, Lord, I ask that may it will be your words. It will not be me, Lord. You hide me behind your cross. I may not be seen or be heard, but Jesus and Jesus alone be seen, be heard, be lifted up, lifted up and exalted. Mm-hmm. Lord, once more we ask, please teach us how to pray. Amen. We ask this in the loving and precious name of your son Jesus, all your children say. Amen. 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 So friends, you might be wondering, what, what, what's my history? What's my background? Uh, first and foremost, I am not a pastor. So when people call me Pastor Castor, I tell them, I'm just a caster, not a pastor. <laughs> friends, I'm, uh, I'm born in the Seventh-day Adventist home. I'm a third-generation Adventist. Who among you here uh, whose parents are Adventists? Raise your hand. I see some hands. Grandparents Adventist. Great, great grandparents Adventist. Ooh. Great, great, great grandparents are Adventist. Oh. So, like fifth generation, fourth generation? Wow. Yeah. So, I'm a third generation Adventist, and, and for me, when, when it comes to prayer, I did not give so much value in prayer. All the while, I thought that prayer is just for those. Who are about to retire? <laughs> For those who have who have spent their energy and strength, and no more energy to to work for the glory of God. Now it's time to pray. <laughs> and that was my, my my view on prayer, and how the Lord changed all of that. How the Lord somehow destroyed my misconception of of the power of prayer. And friends, if you if you have known me, if you have seen me running around, you can see that I'm like an energizer bunny that goes around. And, uh, and for me before, prayer is a waste of time. That was my thought. And it's quite interesting that I'm now in the prayer ministry, isn't it? <laughs> but the Lord somehow showed me a beautiful revelation of His power that there's so much more that we can do when we stop and pray. And there's so many things that are wasted, actually. Our energy is wasted when we do not spend time in prayer. When we do things without the Lord's leading, it's actually a waste. And I'll talk more about that in the, in the, next, uh, in the next session. But uh, a, a beautiful testimony that, uh, that somehow <laughs> changed my perspective about prayer Remember, I told you that I was born in the 70 Adventist home. At an early age, I was already involved in the youth leadership. At the age of 13 and 14, I was already part of our, of our youth uh, AY. And leading out the small group of people until it became like uh, the district, and until the conference. So I was leading out the conference, uh, a youth revival. And 
The enemy is not happy when he sees young people work for the glory of God. And, uh, and my passion to do these things, when the disappointment happened, I was, too, I was too prideful to accept it. And it really somehow broke my heart. Make long story short, I want to give up on God. I got to the point that I wanted to leave this ministry. And I was not involved in the prayer ministry yet. It was the youth ministry. And I was about to leave it. And I'm thinking, Lord, is this what you do to people who give themselves for you? Make long story short, I was angry at God. And, and one time, while I, was, while I was focusing on my own misery and my own pain, a friend of mine, this, this lady, by the way, this is not a love story, this lady told me, yeah, Jen, can you join me for, for a faith camp? And by the way, faith camp as well, it's coming here in July. July 20 to 24, here in this area, and Brother John, if you're listening, I'm already promoting it. <laughs> Friends, it's coming in this area. So that, that faith camp, one of the prayer leaders, she's not part of faith camp, she's just an attendee, she's just invited. She's been, she's been promoting prayer, and she has been living a life of prayer. This woman, this precious woman, and she came and said, Jen, join me. Lead out prayer. Lead out prayer with me in the prayer room. I'm thinking, oh, prayer. Friends, I tell you, during, that, uh, during those moments, I did not even pray for like five months. Remember, my, my heart condition. So I was so, I was so hesitant, but I said, yes, how can you say no to this very nice woman? And she's like an older sister to me. She's just a, a wonderful, wonderful person. So I said, yes. And to make long story short, we were there in the conference and she was giving testimony on the pulpit. She was telling people about how a lot of people were blessed by, by the prayer room. So friends, take note, the prayer room. And this person shared about one girl who was not wanting to go to the prayer room and somehow the Lord convicted her to come. And she was just thinking, I'm, I'm here to prove that God really doesn't hear prayers. She was, she was like me, also bitter. And this girl, in her 15 minutes stay in the prayer room, the Lord somehow broke her heart. She began crying, she began weeping. And friends, she stayed in the prayer room that day for three hours. The next day, the next day, friends, she stayed in the prayer room eight hours. Before she left the conference, she was already calling her church members she was already establishing a prayer group. Isn't this amazing? Another person has experienced the same thing, stayed in the prayer room five hours. While I was listening to that testimony, I was not inspired. I become scared. <laughs> I'm thinking, eight hours in the prayer room? Five hours? I'm thinking, what am I going to say to the Lord? Have you experienced that uh, in just like five minutes, you're all prayed out? Huh? You're looking at your watch, you're thinking you have prayed for like one hour and you prayed only for five, six minutes. I'm that kind of person. I'm thinking, Lord, how is this going to happen? And remember, my heart was not in tune with God. I was angry at God. Because this is one thing that I realized. God is bigger than our anger. God is bigger than our frustration. 
God is bigger than our doubts. If we need to go somewhere when we're experiencing all those crazy things, it should be in His presence. Can you say amen? amen? We should not be going somewhere else. We should be going in His presence. The friends, I have my niece with me and my and that friend, and we were there in the prayer room. Our first, my first session of United Prayer. And I'm thinking, I was there, I'm thinking, I don't even know how to talk to you, Lord. I did not say that, just in my mind. So while we were kneeling down, I was just praying prayer, just to, put, just to be polite. <laughs> and remember the prayer room, you pray short prayers. You pray one sentence prayer, and she, she prayed, and then my knees prayed, and I was still hesitant to pray. And I was just about to pray this hallowed prayer. Not hallowed prayer, but hallowed. Nothing, just a form. And I remember the first section is praise or thanksgiving. So I don't have anything really to praise God during the time I thought. So I just thank Him for something. The moment that first thanksgiving came out of my mouth, I was just like, tears to the heart. I'm thinking, wow, I have so much to be thankful for. And for the past five months, I was not even, I was not even in the mood to thank him, to talk to him. Friends, in my second prayer, I was bawling in tears. I was, and praise God, there was not much people there. <laughs> it was just me and my niece and that lady, and I was falling in tears. And friends, they were comforting me. It was just like, there's a puddle in front. Seriously, friends, there was a puddle of tears in front of me because I was just like broken. And later on, it's, I don't know if you've experienced this. You felt broken, but you feel whole. Huh? That was what I was experiencing. I was broken before God's presence, but for the first time I'm thinking, you're bringing my pieces back together again. And friends, while I was there, weeping before God, I just had, I did not have a vision, but I had this picture. Like, wow, I have this wall built between me and God. And now it was broken. It was destroyed. And that wall that I built between me and God, that wall was between me and my other fellow men. Especially the ones that have hurt me the most. And, and friends, this, this thought came to my head. There are walls that the enemy has built between, between us and God. Between us and one another. Would you believe so? Yeah. And here, this picture hit me like, these walls could only be broken down when we humble ourselves before Him. And friends, this, and until now, I have shared this testimony so many times, but right now I'm having goosebumps thinking about this. Maybe it's cold. <laughs> I believe that the Holy Spirit is really speaking to our hearts that these walls need to be broken down. And we could not break this down, no matter how good of a personality you have, no matter how cheerful you are, no matter how much experience you have, you could not break this wall until we bow before God's presence. Can you say amen? amen. And friends, you know, one thing that, that somehow hit me as well, this is the reason why that we have not experienced Pentecost in our time. It's because we have not submitted ourselves before Him. We have not humbled ourselves before Him. And remember, 
the picture of those disciples in the upper room. Huh? The moment they confessed their sins between them and God, between one another, and then the Holy Spirit descended. Let's remember how many were baptized in one day. 3,000. And even their speaker was not invited from the general conference. <laughs> Friends, their speaker was a person who denied their Savior, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. And here I see something that was missing in our ministry, in our churches. We have been going forward, doing the Lord's work without spending much time here. The reason why we are still this number, the reason why the world is not reached, do you think that the world is really reached by the gospel? No. The evidence of that, we're still here. It's because we have not been spending much time humbling ourselves before Him. Because if we have learned from what they have, they have learned during the time of Pentecost, my dear friends, this work would have been finished centuries ago. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So friends, that was, that was the reason why I've, I've fallen in love with prayer. And by the way, the moment I experienced that experience in the prayer room, that brokenness with God and the wholeness in the presence of God, I can keep it to myself. Can you and you have experienced something beautiful? Can you and you have tasted something so good? Do you just want to, I will not tell my family about this. No, you can. You would just be exploding. You will be telling people, you have to taste this. And friends, that's what I, I've done. And for those of you who, who knows me, I'm a little bit shameless. So I go to one person after another, one person after I, I was telling, I was asking him, have you been to the prayer room? He said, what's in the prayer room? I can tell you what is it, but it's amazing. You have to go and experience it for yourself. I go to one person, just like poke them in the shoulder. Have you been to the prayer room? These people, I do not know. But I was just inviting them. I was even tempted to do this. Like, at the door, like, you could not get out of this until you go to the prayer room. <laughs> Friends, you know what? When... When I follow the conviction of God to invite people in, friends, the next day, we have like a full house in the prayer room. Mm -hmm. And what I have experienced, people were experiencing. People were breaking down before the presence of God. And I have seen a replica of what I experienced. The guy behind me, uh, the guy beside me, was having a puddle of tears in front of him. And I believe that was the beginning of revival in my lives. Friends, this picture God somehow showed me. What if this is practiced in our churches? What if this is practiced in our institution, in our schools, in our boardrooms, in our church boards? Can you picture how powerful the ministry will be? Can you picture how powerful the evangelism will be? When God's people would stop talking and just start praying and come together and seek for the leading and guidance of the Holy Spirit. My dear friends, I believe that this is one of the reasons that we are sad with this. Huh? I was going around uh, uh, a very big meeting 
last week. <laughs> and I have seen a lot of long things with my fair partner Gabriel here. Yeah, Jem. So it's not me who said it's Gabriel. <laughs> Gabriel said, Yeah, Jem, I've noticed there's not much joy I've seen here. Isn't that sad, friends? A young person in our church looking around and seeing, I don't find joy. You might be wondering why young people are leaving. They're not finding joy, they're not seeing it in our faces. But, my friends, this is one thing I'd like to tell you. The moment you spend the time in the presence of God, it's not going to be your personality that's going to shine. It's His presence of flesh. Can you say amen? amen. You, you do not have to say, Jem, I'm not out, I'm not extrovert. I'm not sanguine. I'm not this. It doesn't matter, friends. You don't have to talk. All you have to do is stay in His presence and you will glow. Can you say amen? amen. You will glow not because you have shiny skin or oily skin, but you will be glowing because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You could not keep it. It's like the oil, the alabaster that was broken in the presence of Jesus that permeated the whole, the whole place. Friends, let me go into into the things that I'll be sharing this this morning. And this is one thing I like about seminar. Seminar is, la, is not a is not a sermon, so I don't have to rush. <laughs> but we still have time limit. At least we have four days to talk about this. I love this this thought. I think you have heard this. Uh, you have heard this quote. This is not from the Spirit of Prophecy. It's it's shared by one one person. It's not even from our church. It says, when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. Amen. Did you hear that? Isn't that beautiful? When man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. Friends, come to think of this in our own definition. What does this mean to me? And there's one thing I, I realized. When I work, I get the result of my labor. But when I pray, I see the result of God's labor. Isn't that powerful? Only five people agree. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this is amazing. Do we want to see God work in our lives? Do we want to see God work in our marriages, in our families, in our churches? And here I see, friends, that it's all our work. And that's what we see. The result mm -hmm. is proportionate mm -hmm. to who's working. Mm -hmm. But when we start praying, we see God start working. Can you say amen? amen. And it says here, friends, by the way, this is by Patrick Johnstone, Operation World. It says here, let me continue what he shared. The ministry of the children of God is not doing, but praying. Not strategizing, but prost but to prostrate before God, seeking His will. Why did He get it and we did not? Did you get this, friends? If there's something that would be discussed by people who are who are planning for evangelism, it's this. If there are some people who are who should be discussing planning for for the retention of our church membership, it should be this. 
It's very, very simple, friends. God's ways are so simple. Can you say amen to that? Huh? But we complicate it. <laughs> we complicate it by doing man's work and getting the work, the result man has. Uh, friends, have you noticed God's ways are very simple? Feeding the like the 20,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish? It's crazy, isn't it? It's ridiculous. And I think that's the reason why, that's the reason why, friends, that we are not willing to ask God for His for His strategy because it's always ridiculous. Huh? And we don't want, we are not willing to be fools in the eyes of men. We are not willing to to lose our their confidence. <laughs> and so we do not we are not submitting our, our, our ways and everything to God's craziness. But friends, I tell you, we might be foolish, but that's the only way that works. That's the only way that yields amazing results. Remember, five loaves of bread and two fish, it fed the whole five to 20,000 men and women and children, and still there's 12 baskets overflow. Man's ways always result in lack. We're always deficient. If we are in a deficit, if we are in the red, it means to say it's our work. It means to say we need Him to step in. Can you say Amen? amen. That not clever strategies or for manipulating people and events, but trusting in God who moves in the hearts of even His most implacable enemies. Wow, friends, we do not engage in ministry and pray for God's blessing on it. Let me read it again. We do not engage in ministry and pray for God's blessing on it. Prayer is the ministry from which all other ministries must flow. Wow. Prayer is the ministry from which all other ministries must flow. Friends, I did not even realize the profound meaning of this until just lately and still I'm learning friends I'm still learning right now but seeing like most of the time I am shared in the morning prayer session most of the time when we are asked to preach when we are asked to, to do a devotional when we are asked to do something we focus our main focus is the preparation of that talk so in our time with God we we go like a, a drive-through devotional because we need to prepare for the message. We need to do a beautiful outline, think about illustration and everything. But my dear friends, no matter how beautiful your illustration is, without the Spirit, it's nothing. Without the Spirit, it's nothing. Without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that message does not reach hearts. And this is my experience now. Practically experiencing, like I'm, I'm about to lead our prayer session, like the GC prayer session last week, and we're about to we're, we're preparing like two to three devotionals per day, per day, and we were busy hour by hour, hour by hour. I'm thinking, so Lord, I have to to wake up early and to spend time with you, but we sleep around what time game? We don't go to bed early. <laughs> we, we sleep late and I'll wake up 
we wake up at 4 a.m. to spend time with God. And aside from that, we are not uh, served breakfast. So we have to cook our own breakfast. Oh. I brought my hands apart. No, no, it's Melody's hands apart. My brother is up. So we cook and all prepare all this, take a shower and be there before the devotional begins. So it means to say, my time, my five, my four to five uh, a.m. just goes by so fast. So I was reading one time and I was thinking, oh Lord, and I still have, I still have a lot of things to do, and I have not even somehow soaked myself in Your presence. And the Lord just convicted me. Just continue spending time in My presence. So I did, and thinking, Lord, what about the devotional I'll be sharing later on? The Lord strongly convicted. Just continue spending your time in my presence. Do not leave my presence until I'm done with you. Most of the time, we leave His presence before He's done with us. So, friends, I did. In the end, I did not have a devotional. So I just went in, listened to the message. And then right there and then while I was listening to the message, the Lord was outlining everything. And then when I opened my devotional, oh, it's there. Oh, it's there. Isn't God amazing? Everything that we're doing for Him should just be an output, or should just be a byproduct of what we have spent with Him. Of our relationship with Him. Did you hear this, friends? The ministry should just be the byproduct of our relationship with Jesus. Of what we have gotten in His presence. So, and because of that, because of rushing through with a lot of things, most of the time, when I read, when I read His promises, it's nice, but it's not real. Can you, can you relate? Huh? So, oh, this guy, this warms my heart. But the question is, do you believe it? Praise God. This is the person who have, who have soaked herself with Jesus. So friends, and, and you will believe somebody else's words when you have known them. When you have spent time with them. When you have seen the evidences that this person's character is, is tried and tested. And friends, this is my, my previous problem with the Lord. I read all those verses, memorize these beautiful promises, but not really believing it. Have you, have you encountered some promises in the Bible that said, wow, that's powerful. But seriously, is it real? When you read those verses like, you have your Bibles with you, please open it with me. In John 14 verse, John 14 verse 12. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait for me. Okay. John 14, verse 12. Okay, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the words that I do, he will do also. Friends, let's stay there in that line. Everything. By the way, who is saying this verse? Jesus. Jesus. The words that I do, He will do also. Isn't that crazy? Seriously, Lord, the words that you have done, we can do. And 
He did not stop there. He said, and greater works than these he will do. Who among you is overwhelmed reading this verse? Greater works than these? Greater works than what you have done? We will do? My friends, come to think of it. Who said this? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus didn't lie. Jesus doesn't lie. And by the word of his mouth, were the heavens made. And all of the hosts of them. Friends, this is the God who created the world. And he's saying this to us. And the problem is, it's not with a verse. It's with us. It's with me. And and here I see, friends, the reason why I don't take him at his word because I don't spend much time on my knees. I don't spend much time on his word, getting to know him. And here I see, friends, here I see the disconnect of God's power and our powerlessness. He desires to give us power. He desires to do powerful things through his church, through his people, through the families that he has set up in a dark Places in Michigan. And yet, it's it's a hard mission. Why? Because we have not been seeing the picture of the power of the God who desires to empower us. Friends, this is from Desire of Ages, page 664, paragraph 4. This is Jesus somehow elaborating this verse. Listen to this thought. This just blew my mind, friends. It says here, Jesus revealed no qualities and exercised no powers that men may not have through faith in him. You want me to read it again? Yes. Jesus revealed no qualities and exercised no powers that men may not have through faith in him. Did you hear this, friends? Everything that you have seen who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, we can have. It's found in Zara Vegas 664, paragraph 4. 664, paragraph 4. And the next line says, His perfect humanity is that which all his followers may possess. Only two reactions. Can you say amen? Amen. Friends, his perfect humanity, I, I know you're thinking, that's why. <laughs> his perfect humanity is that which all his followers may possess. If, there's an if. What? There's an if. If they will be in subjection to God as he was. If we will be in what? Subjection. Subjection. Friends, this is so difficult for us right now, isn't it? Especially in these days, when you when you talk about some subjection or submission, mm, even what God has declared in His Bible of submitting to someone, we find it. Why? I I believe it's it's really the enemy trying to stop us from doing what what would somehow make us one with God, friends. In subjection. What is, what is the, the thing or the word that comes to your mind when you hear the subjection? For me, it's dependent. Dependent on God as Jesus was dependent on God. Or yielded. Or surrendered. 
or relying, isn't it? Friends, we are in a in an age right now of independence, isn't it? Huh? Almost everything is at the tip at the tips of our fingers. And I think a lot of you in this room could agree I did not even imagine in my time that we will have online shopping. <laughs> huh? Could you relate? Not because when we need something, we have to run, we have to go. Online shopping, like, right now, just imagine, like, looking for shoes or for shirt in, in your tablet, in your phone, and you'll have more choices compared to going to the store. Huh? And the kids right now say, where, where, where did you come from? <laughs> from the dinosaur age. <laughs> Friends, just imagine everything right now is just the tips of our fingers. And it seems like we don't need anything else. It seems like we don't need Him. And friends, this is one thing that I see that the enemy would somehow inject in us. It's this spirit of self-sufficiency. And come to think of it, Self-sufficiency, is that a, a negative? Because this is what the Lord, uh, this is what the world is somehow trying to, to indoctrinate us. Just be independent. You can do it on your own. But friends, listen to this. <laughs> There's nothing so offensive. This is Christ's object lesson, page 154. There is nothing so offensive to God or so dangerous to the human soul as pride and self-sufficiency. So dangerous to the human soul as what? Pride and what? Self-sufficiency of all things is the most hopeless. Wow. Of all things is the what? The most hopeless. And friends, Jesus declared in John 15 verse 5, For without me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. We cannot be self-sufficient, friends, because if we are self-sufficient, we will miss out on the everything that God desires to give us. For without Him, we are what? Nothing. If you're self-sufficient, you will stay nothing. Did you hear this, friends? And we are so proud to be nothing when we can have everything that God desires to give us. And friends, this is one thing that the enemy would want us not to believe in. Because the moment we believe in his lies, he wins. We become powerless. The enemy will tell you, you can be without Jesus. You can do things without Jesus. He will make you doubt his promises. His promises that says, all these things you will do also, and greater work than this. But, but friends, remember, that his word, God's word, it's more powerful than your doubt. Can you say amen? He's more powerful than your doubt. But if you focus on your doubt, on what the enemy is telling you, then you will miss out. We will miss out. The Lord desires for you to need Him. And I believe, friends, if we see our need of God, there will be more moments that we will be spending on our knees. If we'll see our need. And He desires your prayers. And you can operate in this dark world without his leading, without his guidance. And friends, uh, one of the definitions that I love about prayer is, is the next quote that I'd like to read to you. Before that, my understanding about prayer 
from a from a very selfish perspective. For me, prayer before was a science to twist the arm of God so that I could get what I am asking. Isn't that mostly our definition? We're not uttering it, but we are thinking it. Even in the good things, we are trying to bend God to us, don't we? We're trying to somehow let His will merge or, or bend to our will. But listen to this beautiful thought here. This is from the book Living by Faith. Who here has read the book Living by Faith? A beautiful book, but if you have not read this book, it's just small, 100 plus pages uh, pastoral, isn't it? And, and, the, and the chapters is very interesting. Some chapters are like two pages, some chapters are just like one paragraph. But that one paragraph, friends, I tell you, you could go the whole day soaking in that paragraph. And it's so profound, it's beautiful, you know, it's really spirit-inspired. And it's talking about righteousness by faith. So this is like righteousness by faith made simple, like chewable for us. Listen to this, friends. Woo! I, I'm excited to share this with you because this became like a huge blessing for me. It says here, what is prayer? And what is the purpose for which it is offered? It is expressing of your consent to what God is willing and waiting to do for you. Isn't that beautiful? You want me to read it again? Oh, It is the expression of your consent to what God is willing and waiting to do for you. Isn't that powerful, friends? This is from the book Living by Faith. This is from the this is not from the Spirit of Prophecy. No, I know. So this is chapter 35. Chapter 35. So it's not a very long chapter. That whole chapter is about prayer. The title of that chapter is just prayer. And friends, it says here, it is expressing to God your willingness to let him do for you what he wants to. Did you hear this, friends? Do you believe that God wants to do for you? even so much more than what you're asking from him. Do you believe, friends? Yeah. Who wrote the book? Jones and Wagner. A.P. Oh, Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And E.J. Wagner. Friends, just imagine. Let's, let's establish this. Do you believe? We declare that God knows better than you do. That he desires way better than what you're asking. Because most of the time, we are not, we're even thinking that God is withholding things from us, don't we? When He doesn't answer our, our request. And we are just like, Lord, please give me this. It's just like we are clamoring for the crumbs. When He desires to give you the whole cake. Vegan cake, of course. Sweetened by dates. <laughs> so friends, this is the thing that I, I realized. We have been trying to wrestle with God to release His hand that He will... Give us this, this grounds. The Lord is withholding it because God is just telling us if we are listening, you're asking too small. You're asking for too small. Listen to this. It is not left for you to instruct the Lord in regard to what you need. Your heavenly Father knoweth what things you need before you ask Him. He knows what you need much, much better than you know yourself. Isn't this beautiful, friends? Amen. We have a God who knows our need much better than we know ourselves. 
Oh, and sometimes, you know what? If you have heard some of my testimonies, even before I realized my need, the Lord already provided it. You know why? Because I'm too slow to realize what my need is. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? Amen. Friends, isn't our God a faithful God? Amen. Isn't our God an awesome God? Yes. And this is the thing, friends. I have realized as well that most of the time my prayers, even try after I, I share this, try to recall the prayers that you have prayed before. Because I was praying prayers as if God is a greedy God. God is like a tyrant God that's not willing to give me what I desire. But then reading this, I'm thinking, wow, Lord, if I have just known you better than I know you, my prayers would be different. It would be prayers of submission, rather prayers of compulsion. Friends, would you agree with me? Can you say amen to that? Amen. Friends, this is the real deal about prayer. And have you noticed, friends, your gesture when you pray is not this. It's not this. It's this. Remember, you are submitting yourself to someone. And sometimes our knees are bowed, are bent, but our hearts are not. Our hearts are not. Prayer is in submission to His will, to His leading, to His guidance, to His power. If we get it, my dear friends, here one thing that I see, if we get it, our little desires will not be standing in front of what God desires to give us. It's just like the Lord wants to flood us but we're only praying for trickles. And you are just like pleading for the trickles to begin. But God desires to give us so much more. Oh, thanks. There's so much more here. And praise God, we have four days. It says here, Romans 8 verse 26. Open, it, open your Bibles with me. Romans 8 verse 26. I love this verse now. If you're there, say Amen. You're not there, say, wait a little bit. Hmm. So Romans 8 verse 26, it says, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. In New King James Version, it says, For we do not know what to pray, for we do not know what we should pray for as we should. But the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Living Bible says, For we do not know, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with such feelings that it cannot be expressed in words. Just imagine the Spirit Praise for me? Friends, here I, I realize that even in prayer, I don't even know how to. I need a spirit's leading. Can you say amen? amen? Even in prayer, I have to submit. This is one thing that I have learned, friends, in being in a prayer ministry for almost 12 years. That I don't know how to pray unless the Lord prays to me. 
unless the Lord teach me what to pray for. I have experienced asking that, Lord, please give me this. Please grant me this. I know that this will be the best for the ministry. This will be the best for me. And friends, I would not budge, and the Lord gave it to me. His permissive will. And you know what? The Lord showed me. I received it, but I was not like so happy. I was not fulfilled. And finally, I gave him, okay, Lord, what do you want? And when the Lord gave me his, his will, his answer, I was blown away. I'm thinking, I lengthened the Lord's process by not giving in. So when people ask me, so Jen, what's your prayer request? Not for the church, just for you. And I said, oh, I've learned my lesson. What have you learned? And I said, I tell them about this. So what do you pray for? I just pray right now for a heart that will be prepared for his surprises. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because when we submit, my dear friends, the Lord will, will somehow finally say like, oh, finally he gives in. Now I can show you. Mm. Let us move on, friends. Come to think of it, even in our prayers, the Lord desires to lead us. The Lord desires to guide us. And, <laughs> reviewed Herald, February 18, at February 9, February 9, 1897, paragraph 26. He taught them, that prayer which God accepts is the sinful. What type of prayer? Sinful. Do you like this? Huh? Friends, especially for me, English is not my first language. So, sinful. We don't have to use flowery words when we pray. We don't even have to pretend what we feel when we pray. He knows it. How can you hide from God? Huh? And it says here, sinful, earnest petition from a soul that feels its need. From a soul that what? Feels his need. Friends, what makes our prayer beautiful is your desperation. Is your need of him. And if we realize your real condition, you will see that you have a desperate need of him. That's why, friends, even though if you don't like it, even, even though when you don't feel it, spend time in his presence. And you will see your true condition. And God will give you that need. That need does not just come from you. He could give it to you as well. It says here, And he promised, I love this line, And he promised to send the Holy Spirit to indict their prayers. Friends, I looked at the word indict. What does indict mean? To compose. Did you hear this? And he promised to send the Holy Spirit to compose their prayers. This is beautiful, friends. That even in prayer is not going to be our words. It's not going to be your words. Have you, have you knelt down and, and somehow prayed and you not even know what to say? Huh? <laughs> and praise God, we realize that we don't even know what to say. Because most of the time, we have a lot to say. Huh? We have a lot to, to say. I have a lot to say. And sometimes, and before, my prayers was a prayer. It's like an instructional material for the Lord. Lord, I want you to do this, do that. Our relationship, my relationship with God is like customer service representative. We give him all our complaints. Yeah, an assistant. Yes. We forget, friends, 
the prayer is different from what I have learned before. Prayer is a mission that we may know His will, that we may abide in His will, that we may follow His will. Friends, do you believe that life would be simpler if we have known the Lord the way we desire to know, He desires us to know Him? Our life would be simpler if it's His will that is followed and not us. Not just simpler, that life would be more abundant. Can you say Amen? That life would be more joyful. That life would be more what? Can you add some more? Hopeful. Peaceful. What else? Helpful. Fulfilling. What else? Happy. Restful. Friends, you see, the cause of our misery is us. Not willing to submit. Not willing to pray. And it's not just a, co a condition of our individual hearts, a condition of our families, a condition of our ministries, a condition of our church. If we would all but submit, I would only declare this right now, as I have seen this happening, if we would all but submit, how beautiful this church would look like. How wonderful our families would be like. And how bright the light of God's presence in each individual members of His church. Friends, I believe God is really calling His church. God is really calling His people right now to realize our need of Him. And I have not seen this much hunger right now as I'm going around. Yes, there's apathy. There's apathy, but there's just like this hunger in God's people in God's church. Not just in, in the adult group, but even in the young people, friends. Gabriel and I have been traveling for more than a year now. And as the Lord brings us to one place after another, there's just this desperation. There's just this hunger. And uh, for those of you who have been to GYC, how long of you here have been to GYC? Yeah, the, yeah, I see that at the cross. <laughs> Friends, the GYC, when, when we started, was this when we started the, the prayer room in 2016. The first, the first prayer room that I have, uh, that I have attended the room, I think, was, was like this. And there were just like 10, 12 people who were there. And they were not facing each other, they're facing the wall. But somehow, the the leadership in GYC said, we want more people to come to the prayer room. So they gave, they gave me 10 minutes per night to promote the prayer room in the plenary. Friends, come to think of this. For a plenary session to spend 10 minutes to promote prayer, that means to say serious business. Mm -hmm. Huh? It means to say that intentional. Have you seen those uh, uh, seminar speakers that stands in front like on, on Wednesday night and they talk about their seminars? Do you know how much time they were given? 30 seconds each. 30 seconds each. And for the program to give 10 minutes, it means to say it's important. And it was important for them. And you know what? When you put importance on prayer, on every 
on every program, on whatever gathering that is, God shows up. Mm -hmm. Friends, our first prayer session, there were like 200 plus people who came at 6 a.m. The next day, it was like 350 who came. On, on the last day, there were like more than 400, nearly 500. There were like 50 people who could not get in. Friends, our faith was too small. Although well, I thought that our room is big enough. It was not. The next year, we were in Arizona. Now, they combined all the three, uh, what do you call this? All the three seminar rooms together. Friends, it still overflowed. There were like 800 plus people who were there. There were like more than 100 people who could not get in. Friends, it was just overflowing. And then it happened in Texas. They gave us a ballroom. There were more than a thousand people who showed up. The next year, when we were in Kentucky, that was 2020, they were thinking, we are so concerned about, about the prayer room because if the fire marshal knows, hopefully the fire marshal will not listen to this message. If the fire marshal knows, they will close us down because the capacity is just overflowing. So you know where they put us? In the hallway. They cordoned, they put a curtain in the hallway in the Kentucky Convention Center. On the one side, oh, you know what happened? On Sabbath, they lifted up the curtain because people still overflowed. People still overflowed. My friend, she had a counter. The people who came in for Sabbath is like a thousand, a hundred plus people. Like 80% or 85% are young people. And at 5.30, people are already running towards the prayer room. They don't want to miss the song service. Friends, we don't have a praise team. We don't even have a musical instrument. It's just us. And you know what our song? It's not modern songs. It's the old boring hymnal song. Boring. <laughs> boring, huh? But friends, you know what? Those beautiful hymns that were sang in the early mornings, the young people were singing at the top of their lungs. Because now they hear and they see and they experience the meaning of those songs. And one person asked me, Brother Jem, two minutes left, Brother Jem, I could just stop and talk. Brother Jem, why is it different when you sing here in the prayer room? I'm singing in our church. And I realized, friends, I don't have the answer. So I was praying one time, Lord, why is it different when we sing in the church and we sing in the prayer room? And you notice, friends, when we sit down in our church, there's a lot of things that takes away our focus. We are so distracted. But in the prayer room, the moment they come in the prayer room, there's music singing, and they just see people on the corner reading their Bible. They know they are in the presence of God. And when they begin to worship, and when they begin to open their mouth to sing, they sing only for Him. Amen. And when the heart is right, my dear friends, the worship becomes beautiful. Amen. The worship becomes beautiful. And I'm seeing this, this growth of the interest of people to come before God's presence. From the youngest to the most white-haired person in the prayer room. 
But just imagine, it's beautiful to see. There's adults going to the prayer room. And I, I asked them, what makes you come to the prayer room? And the adult said, I realize I don't want to miss out what the youth are experiencing. And friends, right now the prayer room has no age limit. Can you say amen? amen. The prayer room has no age limit because God is no respecter of age. But I'm just so inspired to see that it's not just the young people, it's not just the adult. It's now God is bringing the prayer. He's coming soon. He's waking up his church. And he's doing something. Something, friends, that we have not witnessed for a very long time. Let's bow our heads for a little prayer. Our great God, our dear loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for, for giving us your heart's longing, your heart's desire. Lord, we praise you and we thank you that you not give up on us. And Lord, I pray that may we give in, that may we give you our hearts, that may we stop, that we may stop dictating what to do, that we may begin submitting our will to you, submitting our hearts to you. Thank you, Lord, for your patience, for your love for your church. And Lord, I pray that my, may our love for you will continue to grow. Fill us with your spirit, O Lord. And be with my brothers and my sisters as they go to their, their next uh, seminar in anointing power of your Holy Spirit. Be upon us all. We ask all this in the loving, precious name of your Son, Jesus, all your children say. Amen. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.